This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. This Saturday afternoon, I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few moments, John Carlson, Johnny 1%, will be here to have a fresh look at Metro Vancouver real estate and to tell us more of the 1% realty story. But first, here are some more of the top consumer stories we're following this week. Air Canada says it's removing its grounded Boeing 737 MAX jets from service until at least now August 1st in order to provide more certainty for passengers with summer travel plans. Now, the airline had already grounded the MAX fleet until July 1st, but this extends it for another full month. Air Canada has two dozen of these aircraft, the 737 Boeing MAX jet. Uh, their total fleet is 243, 24 of which are the MAX planes. WestJet says it plans to keep its 13 MAX 8 planes on the ground until at least July 1st, but has no plans to cancel orders for 37 more MAX 8s. Canadian skies have been closed to all 737 MAX 8 aircraft since March 13th. Six months after the federal government legalized cannabis for recreational use, many officers have expressed skepticism about the one testing machine currently approved. This one's called the Drager Drug Test 5000 and how its results might hold up in court. Now, there's a second machine and the company behind this one that could be approved for roadside drug tests in Canada says its product is faster and easier for police to use to worry about technology as well. In an interview, Two officials from the company Abbott say their testing device, which is called the Sotoxa, has shown it can accurately use a saliva sample to test for drugs in a person's system within five minutes, and it'll work in cold weather. The handheld device is now in a 30-day public review window after the government posted its intention to allow police to test the device. Now, afterwards, if approved, the company says it have enough devices to fill orders and has training ready in both official languages. No one has come up with a workable roadside testing device for cannabis that's universally accepted so far. And when the right device finally comes along, that company, maybe in this case it's Abbott, who knows? That company will make a lot of money all over the world. Users of the Moby by Shaw Go bike share program in Vancouver were hit with what the company has referred to as a system issue over the past week. Issues were first reported when some users found they had trouble starting trips. The company eventually announced that systems were back online, then off again, and back on, and so on. By Wednesday, Moby was able to report now our system is fully operational and up and running, and the company is working hard to diagnose and fix the problem. They're also hopeful we will have no further issues, but until we can diagnose the issue, we're not 100% certain it won't happen again, and the cause of the system hasn't been identified. They believe it's a connectivity thing. In the meantime, they're thanking customers there at Moby for their patience and understanding around the outages earlier in the week, and have assured everyone there will be no overage fees as a result of this issue. Better to work the bugs out now before the tourists arrive. Word from the Bond franchise is the last Bond film 
film starring Daniel Craig as 007 is set to begin production soon in Jamaica. The 25th, 25 of these things, the 25th Bond movie doesn't yet have a title, even though many were betting on Shatterhand. But executive producer Barbara Broccoli has ruled that one out already. We do know that Remy Malek, fresh off a terrific performance as Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody, will play the villain in the new Bond flick. Release date? April 8th, 2020. This weekend at the movies, oh my gosh, Avengers Endgame is finally out. This one is expected to absolutely shred box office records everywhere. Those are a few more of the week's top consumer stories. We'll have some more for you later in the hour as well. But coming right up, they call him Johnny 1%. John Carlson is standing by with a Vancouver real estate update. Stay with us. This is Vancouver Consumer, and you're on CKNW. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this Saturday afternoon. I'm Sterling Fox, joined in studio by John Carlson, Personal Real Estate Corporation from 1% Realty. Good afternoon, John. Good afternoon, Sterling. Good to be here once again. Good to have you with us. I wanted to talk a little bit about condos. We're going to talk about the whole big picture in Metro Vancouver real estate, as you like to do for our listeners. But lately, there's been a lot in the news about condos, particularly, and this is just something, it's caught my eye, John, because it's been more than a few years since anything in in, a, in an ad for a new condo development included potential incentives. Right. So what the heck is going on with the condo market to the point where developers are actually considering offering incentives again? Well, it's. I think it's a sign of the market that we're in. Uh, as you mentioned, for the longest time, any affordable product, new condos, I mean, there was a rush to buy them and uh, competition on the part of buyers to get into these places was pretty fierce. So... As we've discussed before, the market changes. It always does. And we're in a market now where supply has really caught up and surpassed demand in a lot of areas. It kind of depends on the area that you're in in terms of pricing and, and you know, what the ratio to buyers to, to available inventory might be. Right. But, uh, yeah, we're seeing signs that uh, developers of these condominiums, and this was always sort of the uh, that ground that had not yet softened. You know, the high end homes had come down, and mm-hmm. some of these others had, but condos they were on the way up, and That's they were right. a strong thing. But now we're finding that you know, obviously developers are finding they have to be a little more competitive. They're competing for buyers for your business as a potential buyer. So we're seeing the days come now where maybe some developers might offer maintenance fees paid for a year or taxes paid. Right. Or they don't want to drop the price because that integrity of their pricing structure is something they want to maintain. But right now, if you're looking at buying a new product, a new condo, you might want to have your own representation and just explore how far these developers might be willing to go in terms of throwing incentives at you. Now, you just dropped a little nugget into that last sentence that I'd like you to follow up on, if you don't mind, please, John, and that's the matter of of shopping. Uh, You said you should bring your own representation with you when you're looking. Now, condos, especially new ones, unbuilt, yeah, there's a forest of cranes. You ride SkyTrain across Metro Vancouver these days. It is astonishing, the development that's going on, condo-wise, especially through Burnaby, East Van, New West, and so on. Right. So uh, there's a lot of competition, as you've just said. So if you're uh, looking, suppose you're a first-time home buyer and you're starting to get into the game and you know that you're going to have to get a condo first just to get your foot in the door. And then, you know, once the door opens, who knows what lies beyond. Sure. So 
in your shopping for condos, uh, you, you, you deal with buyers a lot, especially first-time buyers. Right. Are brand-new, unbuilt condos the route to go for first-time buyers, or is it better to take an established condo, perhaps for a little less money, but still it's something you, you can move into next week if you need to for openers, and secondly, you might get a better deal? Well, that's a, a very good question. It's it's a little bit hard to answer. Um, you know, on the one hand, the new developments, uh, whether they're built or not, have been very popular. People like brand new. Sure. They like warranties. Yep. They like the style of the new places. And sometimes, you know, you get the nine-foot ceilings and all the other things that, that, that buyers like. Nothing wrong with that. Of mm-hmm. course, as we've seen, you know, in the press over the last few years, there have been a couple of situations where, hey, maybe it makes sense to look very carefully before you plunk your money down on a place that's not yet built because certain things can happen between now and then, and some people have been caught. So a majority time that doesn't happen. Uh, on the other hand, there's a good point to be made that if you can, a young first-time buyer will like to see something that's already there. They can see it, feel it, touch it, get a feel, experience it. So it, it varies for, from, from one buyer to the next. But I'll, uh, you know, I would suggest that you know, usually you'll get a little bit of a better deal price-wise on a, on a place that might be five years old compared to brand new when you take all the taxes and that sort of thing into effect. But hey, you got to think about location. You got to think about how long you're going to be in a place and what you want. So there's all kinds of options out there. That's the main thing. There are new developments. The inventory is, you know, getting relatively, uh, you know, uh, it's stacked up in terms of new listings out there for, for resale properties right, as well. Right. So a buyer has a lot of choices. And I suggest when I'm working with buyers that, hey, let's, let's get to work so that you can identify the right property that, that you want. So we'll be able to act when that comes. But also, let's not be in any hurry. If you don't find the right property, let's remember it's still the spring. New listings are coming up. Right. And in this kind of market, you really should get what you want. Now, in terms of bringing your own representation with you, again, if you're a first-time buyer, let alone uh, a person, I mean, most of us, John, you do this every day of the week, uh, engaging in the real estate community. Most of us who aren't professionals will buy or sell a home or two or three uh, in a lifetime. So these are occasional encounters that we have with the real life of real estate. So when you're shopping... And, and you're looking at these unbuilt condos versus existing buildings and so on. Uh, at what point, John, should you have a pro with you uh, when you're doing that shopping? It's fine to look. Yes. Uh, we all love to go looking at new – I love going to new subdivisions and seeing what the new designs are and all that kind of stuff. But when you're serious and you go, we could move, we could live here. Yeah. Uh, then is that the point where you, you need to engage a realtor and, and come back for a second visit with a pro in your corner? I think so. I mean, it, it again, it'll depend on the sophistication level of that potential buyer. But I do know that a lot of people like to start out on their own. I mean, MLS is everywhere. And sure. Anybody can lap, you know, get on their, their laptop or whatever it is and, and go and take a look at the listings and go to open houses. And it's wonderful. Take a look around, compare things. But I think when you start to uh, be looking at your budget, maybe you sell one place to buy another. Right. You need an evaluation. And gee, how long would it take us to sell? And those sorts of things. Or certainly before you go and sign a piece of paper, it may be a new development. Because you want to remember... Uh, uh, when a development has their sales force there, that sales force is is trained on the product and they're there to sell that product. And sure. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. But really, they represent the developer. They have a code of ethics to make sure they treat you honestly and there are rules and regulations and all that sort of stuff to protect the consumer. Right. But as we talked about earlier, in an, in an age where developers are offering incentives, they're, they're not volunteering necessarily everything on the table right away. And sometimes to have a good representative in your corner to suggest that, hey, you know, these are your alternatives. This is your leverage if you wanted to look at other places. And, and if we were to go in and write an offer, I think a good agent would probably be able to help you either with pricing or incentives on a new development. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, the sooner the better, but whatever you're comfortable with. Call yeah. somebody like myself or somebody you trust who has a lot of knowledge, and they can probably give you some some good options and help steer the whole process to a successful outcome. Let's uh, take a step back, because we've been focusing on condos since the beginning of our conversation this afternoon, and it's good to have you back in the studio, by the way. Thank you. Uh, let's talk about the rest of the marketplace. We've looked at condos, and some of the prices have come down a little bit to the point where it's a much more competitive playing field at, to the point where some developers are going, well, gosh, maybe we've got to offer a few incentives. How about townhouses, single-family homes, looking at the big Metro Vancouver picture as we are uh, approaching the end of April in uh, in the heart of the busiest real estate season of the year, spring 2019, John? Yes. Uh, well, new listings are coming up. I've got one that I'm going to talk about a little bit later. Um, so uh, the rest of the market, the rest of the market is competitive. If you have a detached house in a good area, if you have a townhouse in a good area, uh, you're gonna you can sell. It's not like the market is is terrible. It's just coming off the ten year all time highs. We've just right. lost that shine. I mean, we're down significant portion in terms of sales. Buyers have stepped back a bit, but the good listings are still selling. So I would suggest, you know, just as a general rule of thumb, back when the market was crazy, as long as you were in the top eighty percent, you know, in terms. W- Line one through eight out of 10. As long as you weren't in the worst 20%, you were probably going to sell. Mm-hmm. In this market, you probably want to be in the top 20% in terms of what your value proposition is. I don't think it's necessarily wise to um, overprice by a wide margin when you have a lot of direct competition in a market like this because buyers are very value conscious. Sure, absolutely. So, you know, you have to weigh what your options might be versus your motivation and what, you know, how you see this process going, but you probably want to price in the realistic zone. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be giving it away, but you have to look very carefully because, for instance, I did an evaluation last night and a lady asked about the house on the street. Well, there was a house for sale, but it had been list- listed for almost 200 days and they hadn't changed the price. So there's a sign that buyers are, you know, it's not like no houses are selling in that price range in that area. Other houses were, but this one wasn't. Why? Because it didn't really, it looked like a nice house, mm-hmm. but it didn't offer the value proposition. So that's kind of key. Be, be willing to understand that buyers are more selective, they have more choice, and the all-time highs and prices are gone. But on the other hand, don't be afraid to find out what your strengths are. Let's, let's lead with the strengths on a listing because sure. you don't have to sell to everybody. You just have to sell to that one person who likes the combination of strengths that your property offers that the other ones don't. So we're going to take that into account. Usually we put it on the highest possible price in the, in the reasonable range and we wait to see what happens. But I would suggest in all segments of the market, be cautious with pricing, be confident. In other words, take some time and make sure you're good with that price because when offers come and they're lower, you might not know if you're on your own, gee, is this a good offer or not? And, you know, sometimes it isn't. You have to say, hey, let's either counter it or leave this one alone and wait for the next offer to come. Yeah, John, you talked about a house being on sale on that particular street for 200 days. Is there a rule of thumb now in spring 2019 in terms of the homeowner, the seller trying to sell this property? Uh, If your home has been listed for X number of days with not much of activity going on, should you reconsider your price? And what is X? Is it 90 days, 120 days? What's what's your rule of thumb? I don't really have a rule of thumb on that. And and by the way, this listing I just mentioned was not my own, so I don't know the seller's situation on there. Sometimes people say, hey, if I can get this money, great. If not, I'm not in a hurry. Yeah. Um, But... I will tell you that going out with buyers and one of the questions they say, hey, John, you know, we're, how long has this one been on the market? Yeah. And people do judge you based on your time on the market. Right. It's no sin to be on the market 30 or 60 days. It happens all the time. So don't, you know, it's not like before where if the market you've mentioned before, hey, it's been on the market a week, it hasn't sold. What's wrong with it? Yeah, exactly. But those days are over. Right. But if, you know, it only stands to reason that if a property's on the market six months and they haven't changed the price, buyers think this way, I think, hey, 
this has been available for six months. Nobody else has wanted it. Why should I want it? It mm-hmm. gets a little tainted. So you want to be careful if you're going to be on the market, not to just sit on the market and have the neighbors notice that you've been on for a long time and kind of start to wonder what the story was. Right. Do buyers, uh, when when they're shopping for those new homes, especially for the first new home, uh, are you finding these days, because prices have come off a little bit, as we've noted on this program countless numbers of times, are buyers going, well, you know, prices still appear to be coming down. So as long as they're heading in my direction, why should I be in a hurry to go out there and commit? You shouldn't be. Some people are in a hurry, either because of their own desires to be into a place before a certain date, or there's new kids coming, or there's other pressures, or new jobs. There's all kinds of reasons that people might move, but I think that's why the numbers are down. Those discretionary buyers that are saying, hey, I don't really have to do anything now, a lot of them, especially over January and February, they kind of step back, and I think that brought all our numbers down. March was the same. The sales are down. So real estate's not going out of style in this area. Um, people are still paying a lot of attention to the real estate market. And I'm finding a lot of buyers are jumping back in. I mean, interest rates have stayed low. You can never time the market, you know, top to bottom. If it's a good time for you and you can get a good deal and you're happy, then there's no you know, problem with going forward. And it's interesting you would point uh, to interest rates as a factor. And it absolutely is when you're talking six, seven-figure mortgages, <laughs> interest rates matter. But the governor of the Bank of Canada, Stephen Polos, did indicate this past week that there is no hurry on the part of the Bank of Canada anymore to increase those interest rates, given the number that we've had up until this point. Now, there was some chatter about, well, they even rolled them back. He said nothing about that. I wouldn't look for a decrease. But the key here, of course, is that in terms of interest rates affecting your your buying uh, mindset, they appear to be stable for the next foreseeable while. Yeah, they are. And I think that's good news for buyers because, of course, the stress test was introduced, which kind of restricted their ability to access as much money as they could before. So um, the fact that interest rates are are staying uh, reasonably low is is definitely good news for buyers. And it's probably good news for sellers as well because it's going to help support, you know, when buyers can borrow a little bit more money, prices are generally going to be a little stronger. Uh, Another rule of thumb question. I don't know if there is one or not. This is why I ask them. Uh, We talked about... uh, uh, listings and and numbers of days on market. Uh, The other side of that coin is the value, the price of the property. It hasn't moved because perhaps it's not the appropriate price for this time and, and neighborhood. So how frequently should you have your price reassessed if your home stays on market for a little while? It depends on the situation. Again, some properties might be seasonal, so you're not expecting a sale right, right now. Right. But in general, I think that um, that sellers will, will, you know, if you're if you're a good agent in touch with your sellers on a regular basis, then you know you're talking to them and giving them feedback from the showings. And this is you know a topic. And after a certain amount of conversation is built up, sometimes you know the two of us might get together and say, you know, look, this is the price we put on it. This is the activity. Here's the showings we've had, and here's here's been the feedback in this period of time. This is what's maybe sold or been relisted in the area in the last two or three weeks or a month. And so what's our plan going forward, given all this new information? So there's nothing wrong with looking at it. And it's an, you know, it's, this is a process. So sometimes if you're on the market a while, it does make sense to bring your price down. And that's what we see across greater Vancouver and Fraser Valley is a lot of price reductions. Johnny1percent.ca is a terrific website, friends, for John Carlson from 1% Realty. Have a look at it while we take this break for the news.
And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. Sterling Fox with you, joined in studio by John Carlson from 1% Realty. And John, it's the busiest time of the year. It's the spring. You've been with us uh, long enough now that we've actually become educated to understand how busy it is in the real estate business. Now, even in 2019, which is not insane as it has been in previous springs, it's still pretty busy around town, isn't it? It is. Uh, this is the time when a lot of people want to um, figure out how they're going to put their house on the market in the near future. Uh, you know, get the gardens ready, get the house ready. So I get calls sometimes from people saying, hey, I'm not going to sell quite yet. I'm going to sell in May, June, whatever right. it might be. Right. But can you kind of come over and tell me about how you sell houses? And then maybe you can give me an idea what I should do with my house to get it ready. So I, I'm getting a lot of those calls. Listing time, this is always the peak time for new listings. So as a buyer, you have choice right now. and You're going to continue to have good choices probably for the next few months, at least as new listings hit. Uh, but yeah, it's a nice busy time. The weather's getting busy. Uh, I'm sorry, a little bit brighter. And everybody's jumping back to work. Yeah, and, and lots of the new listings to talk about. And John will, has got a couple to, to uh, bring you up to speed on a little bit. But uh, all sorts of listings at johnny1percent.ca. Again, johnny1percent, all one word, dot C-A. Beware of imitators. And on the website, in addition to all these terrific listings, and John will, uh, he's got a couple in Langley. We're talking condos and uh, stuff earlier. So this this will excite you if you're looking for a a place in the burbs. But I also wanted to talk about the the one percent realty business model, Mr. Carlson. Right. We talk about this on the radio a lot, and yet when you go to people's homes because they heard you on the radio, and he sounds like a decent sort of chap, we should have him over for coffee. And so and they ask you all the same questions all over again, and it always has to do with. If I'm paying less in commission, yes. what less am I getting by way of service as we, the consumer, have a finely trained mind, which suggests all the time to us, if you pay less, you get less. That's been an axiom since we were little. In this case, it, it takes a twist. It takes a turn. Tell us about it. Well, I mean, this is a decision I made back in 2010. So it, actually, this May will be nine years at 1% Realty for me. I was at other companies. This is my 23rd year in the business. And in that nine years, I've sold somewhere, I think, between five and 600 homes. It's just been a fantastic success for what me. What a run. It's, it's wonderful. And, I, and I'm busy, but uh, you know, people want value. A lot of people, and I'm going to try to say this very respectfully, but I've been doing this business a long time, and I hear it all the time. Real estate commissions, what do these guys do to make this kind of money? They're too high. It's this, it's that. Why? Yeah. You know, and so that went into my decision when I went to 1% Realty. I thought people wanted better value, but they don't want to cut corners. They don't want some uh, guy or girl that knows nothing that just puts a sign in the yard and they just have a cheaper commission. That would be a terrible idea. So I thought, you know, if I continue to do the best service I can and put my full, you know, interest into it, not cut any corners, but just charge less, I'm going to be very busy. And and that's, that's really what happened. Well, I guess we got to tip the hat to one Ian Bailey here in Vancouver who began this 1% realty business uh, s- several years ago now, and it's branched out from a local firm to a national concern. Right. And it's all, it, the, they operate realtors across Canada who work with 1% realty, have the same commission schedule, whether it's Winnipeg or yeah. Toronto or Vancouver, correct? That's right. And uh, for instance, I got a call from somebody who'd heard us on the radio, and he was out in the Cultus Lake area, which was just a little bit too far for me. Mm-hmm. But what I did was I called one of my colleagues, who's also an excellent agent, and we set something up, and so we're working together on it. And, and that's what we do. And you asked me, 
before and I didn't answer it uh, well enough. What are you not getting? People have this feeling like, gee, and yep. I, I totally get it. And mm-hmm. here's the difference I want people to think about. There are a lot of industries that are already pretty cutthroat and there's not a lot of margin. Like, let's face it, how much uh, can you save in a trucking company right now? Am I going to undercut the other trucking companies? Probably not because there's very little margin right. in this sort of thing. Uh, similar with other products. But I'm going to ask you to think about the real estate industry who's had a commission structure, a prevailing commission structure of 7% on the first 100000 and 25 on the balance mm-hmm. since prices were... 20% of what they are now. Prices have gone way up. Commissions have gone way up. A whole bunch of realtors are out there with real estate licenses. So I'm going to ask consumers to think, gee, you know, could someone do that for less? I'm going to say, yeah, you can. And really the key for, to me is uh, my experience level allows me to do the volume. Right. I mean, I know the market. I, I think the more, the more business you're doing, the sharper you are on your game. And I definitely feel capable and I do a lot of volume. And, and people say, gee, John, why would you do this? Why would you work for less? And it feels good, first of all. My sellers are always extremely happy. And I don't pay any financial penalty because I do a lot of, lot of business. Sure. And a lot of my clients will buy other homes. And, and some other homes that are listed with other companies have relatively large commissions that they're offering out. And sometimes if my client decides to buy that home, I work for them. I don't think of the commission. That's not my, uh, my goal or my focus. Right. But just as uh, a process of doing my business the way I do, I work with a lot of buyers. And my bottom line is great. All I can tell my sellers is... I'm not going to put a $30,000, $40,000 anchor around your neck and throw you onto MLS. What I'm going to do is put the best possible commission structure that I can do and put all my talents uh, on the table to work for you and get you the best result I can. And chances are you're going to save a ton of money compared to some of the competitors. And that's what I specialize in. And I should probably also add, because he won't, uh, friends, that uh, Mr. Carlson has in 2018 once again been acknowledged as a member of the President's Club, which is the top 1% of all realtors in Metro Vancouver in the Fraser. Valley, not the first time he's been admitted to and honored by uh, inclusion in the President's Club, and that simply speaks to the quality of the service in addition to the sheer volume of activity that John has. And of course, the other factor here, the other reality, John, with a lower commission structure, and you're looking at a price maybe that isn't where you wanted it to be. Gosh, you know, we were hoping to get X for the for the house. This has been the game plan all along, and the market's not going to allow for that. We're a little below where we hoped we would be. But if you sell the property for whatever the best price you can get today, and you can save a chunk on the commission, that's going to reduce the difference between what you had hoped for and what reality says you're going to get. It can be a big help, that's for sure. And it's, it's funny you mentioned that because just yesterday, I went and met with a, a real nice young couple with a young daughter and uh, in Maple Ridge in a house. And they bought only about a year ago, just a little over a year ago. Okay. And uh, they had called, called me and I went to meet with them. Really nice people, great house. And they basically said, uh, you know, in their own terms, we just bought a little over a year ago. We know what the market's doing. Uh, we were fine with our agent, but we don't want to spend $30,000 commission taking a hit and we've only been in the house for a year. So mm-hmm. we looked you up on, on, uh, online. We saw what you charge. Now, please tell us that this isn't a, a, a myth. Please tell us this is the real deal. So I you know, went through the process and showed them some things and I'm hoping to get their listing. But the point is, 
they knew that the market wasn't quite where they wanted it to be. They were going to sell. They may take a loss or a very small profit, and they don't want to give up that much of their equity, hard-earned equity, to a, a real estate agent if they don't have to. I like so, the, uh, please tell us this is the real deal part, yeah. <laughs> because it, it sounds, you know, we've we mentioned this more than more than once on this program. Right. If it sounds too good to be true, chances are it is. That's another old cliche we've all been raised to believe, and generally speaking, it's the go-with-your-gut kind of thing, right? But in this case, you examine in a clinical way the business models in front of you and you make a, a, a an intelligent informed decision to your advantage it's that simple it is that simple and uh, you know just keep in mind if you're a potential seller that buyers have a lot of access to information buyers are quite empowered and when a potential buyer sees your listing and it's in their kind of range that they're looking for they're going to come and see it and they're going to want to buy it i really don't think that uh, big commissions will uh, push a sale you don't have to offer a giant commission to another agent to bring a buyer to the property because chances are the buyers are already going to want to see it. And uh, this is why the 1% business model works. You do not fall into the trap of equating the quality of service you're going to get and the results you're going to get based on the commission that you pay. But you mentioned other agents, and I think it's a fair question to ask because not all those other agents are working at the commission structure that you are. Uh, And uh, as a result, uh, there may be some well, shall we say animosity between the way you operate and the way they do? So if you have a home listed uh, with a 1% realty sign on the front lawn, what are the chances other agents are going to say, well, you know, that's uh, a 1% deal, so we'll just take a pass on that when I go to the next street? How does that work? Well, this is the concern that sellers have. And yes. I, wouldn't, I definitely would it's not. It's a fair question, John. It's a completely fair question. I wouldn't use the word animosity because I think agents, you know, agents are, are professional people and agents uh, are ethical people. Real estate agents understand that if they have a buyer's who is a client of theirs, they owe that buyer, that client, the duty to show them all available properties that meet their criteria. Right. So I would suggest, and I'm glad that this doesn't happen. I mean, I can't know in situations that it might happen that I'm not aware of. Uh, but all I know is my listings are shown and sold by all the other companies. Sure. Um, but, but really, it's just a case of um, you know, making sure that agents might call me and say, hey, is this commission negotiable? Or uh, you know, if I write an offer, would your seller consider paying me a little more commission? But by and and that can become a negotiation. So okay. sometimes I have the extra step when an offer comes in and we're offering a certain commission and an agent says, hey, you know, my buyer requests that we get a little more commission because this is not sort of typical to use the a phrase they use sometimes. Okay. But the good news is when you're the seller, uh, the buyer wants to buy the property and the buyer doesn't really want to pay more than they have to. So that can easily be challenged and gone away. One step I have to do sometimes is defend my seller's position on commission. Right. So sometimes we'll have a property, let's just use the million dollar range, $11,000 commission, we're offering half out to the other buyer's agent. And so instead of 5,500, that agent might want ten or 15,000. I've had sellers say, no, here's the counter offer. Your agent gets five grand and buyers will sign it. Other times buyers come back and say, you know, what if we asked for 7,000 instead of five? And at that point in time, I look at my sellers and say, let's see if we can get something that's a win for you. You're saving about 20000 in commission. We've got to deal with the right price, the right terms, and people are comfortable going ahead. So my job really is to help people navigate, position them properly on the market, handle offers when they come in, make sure they're not in any jeopardy, cover all the details for them. And sometimes I also have to defend them against a commission request that really is not that difficult to do. But that's something that we can talk about. Anyone wants to call me and find out how that works, I'd be happy to, to let you know. I Generally, depending on the price range, compared to seven and two and a half, which is what most of my competitors charge, that's the typical one, yep. 
I'll, I think if I looked at all sales from condominiums, the lower end to higher end homes, the average client probably saves between ten and fifteen thousand dollars compared to that seven and two and a half. Uh, well, working with me, looking at johnny1percent.ca, the website, and right there on the home page, about halfway down the home page, is this grid, and it's uh, very self-explanatory. Uh, it's uh, how much will you save? Uh, let's take a very typical number for a Vancouver property. Let's take a million dollars, and looking at the commission structure, and it's all right here in black and white. The commission structure on a million-dollar property sale for 1% realty would be uh, $10,950. Most other brokers, there's a special column for that, for the same property, what the commission would be $29,500. The last column is the one that matters the most. Savings on a million-dollar property selling through 1% realty, you net a savings of 18550 bucks. That's real cash, John, that stays in your bank account to do with as you please. That's real cash, and the commission rates, again, they're not set, they're open, but the large majority of my competitors charge that, that commission rate. And you say it's real money. It's real money. It's tax-free money. It's money you've been paying interest on as you've been making your mortgage payments sure. over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is real money, and I've seen it tens and hundreds of times where my clients have successfully sold and ended up with that kind of money in their pocket. And it's kind of funny. I, I don't joke about it, but you know, sometimes my uh, friend David Mater in the business and I are talking, and we'll say, you know, you see these TV shows where people will eat the most ghastly things and a chance oh, to try man. to win ten thousand dollars. Hey, just list with me, and you'll save a lot of money and I'll put that money in your pocket. And so no no unpalatable food required. None required, no. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about new listings. You said you got a couple to, to uh, entice us with this afternoon. John, what's up? Well, actually, I've got a couple new listings in Langley I want to mention. These are brand new listings. The first one is a townhouse that feels like a house. It's on the street. You don't drive through the complex. You've got parking in front. You've got a double garage and a double driveway, so parking for four on your own property. It's 1,900 square feet, three bedrooms, three baths, lady-owned, beautiful, beautiful uh, townhouse. The address is number 10, 20449 66th Avenue. It's listed at six fifty nine nine. This is a, a very good list price for a property in this condition. A three bedroom townhouse at six fifty nine nine. Yes, this is Langley, right? It's Langley, and it's gorgeous, absolutely wow. gorgeous. It's it's a winner. It just hit the market, and we don't think it'll last too long. But if you're interested, go to my website, take a look. We've got the photos and the information there. And I'm looking on it right now. As a matter of fact, friends at johnny1percent.ca, and this one has one of those green new listing stripes, as does the next one. Yeah, and then I've got another one in Langley. This is a condo. This is in Vista Gardens. It's three. It's two bedrooms, two baths. It's a 1,000 square feet, a little over. It's a good one. Top floor, third floor. Come out and see it. Number 308-5419-201A. And then I have something coming, and this is really special. It's signed. It's going to be submitted on Monday. This is a rancher in a fantastic area of Fleetwood, Surrey. It's called Maple Glen Subdivision. It's a big rancher. If you're downsizing, if you know anyone who's downsizing in Surrey right now, this house is wonderful. Nice tall ceilings, 1,900 square feet, manicured gardens, low maintenance, air conditioning. Uh, They've got the vinyl deck and the vinyl fencing around. It's got an awesome layout. And this is going to be a real winner at 899.9. The address is 9169-161A. It's 899.9. Eight ninety nine nine. So these are three new listings that are very competitive. Go to my website and take a look. And you know you can feel the call me anytime on my cell. All right. Well, let me take care of that business because we're almost out of time here. Johnny One Percent CA is Mr. Carlson's website, friends, and you'll find his phone number all over it. But in case you just want to jot it down now, it's 604-612-0080. 604-612-0080. And you, sir, are free to go because we're fresh out of time. Great to see you again, John. Likewise. We'll catch up to you soon.
soon. Thank you. We're back after this. Once again, our thanks to John Carlson for another very helpful visit. Next weekend, we'll talk financials and insurance with the Alton Group, and Sherry McMillan will join us with lots more on estate planning. Time now for Dooley Noted, and this time around, our producer Ben Dooley has a look at gas theft. Thanks, Sterling. The pain at the pumps in Metro Vancouver may be leading to a crime wave as drivers try to cut down on fuel costs. A Surrey man now says he's been the victim of a gas tank theft after allegedly catching the thieves on surveillance video just days after a Maple Ridge man reported a similar crime. Tapinder Tawana says he returned from vacation to his Bolivar Heights home Monday to find the tank on his Ford Explorer had been punctured, with the gas inside completely siphoned. Well, it looks like so far it's just a puncture hole to the tank, and then they seem to have jammed it back up with some materials, so on the outside it doesn't look like much damage. Police agencies across Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley, including Surrey and Maple Ridge, say they haven't noticed a marked increase in gas tank theft reports. But with gas prices rocketing well past $1.70, police are urging people to be vigilant and report any thefts or information immediately. Gas experts said this week the record prices are expected to last well into the summer, with $1.60 likely being the lowest drivers could see for now. Those analysts have continued to point to the region's reliance on gasoline from outside the province and the increasing carbon tax as factors. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thank you, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before we go. Several killer whales have been seen in Vancouver's harbor entertaining onlookers and feeding on seals and sea lions and other cetaceans. The folks at OceanWise say the predators called Biggs killer whales are discovering hot spots with an abundance of harbor seals, and Vancouver's harbor may be just one of those areas. The whales have been spotted in the harbor twice, including a group of five that came in on Tuesday as being a matriarch and her four offspring between 2 and 18 years old. The pod that visited the harbor last week was also a mother traveling with three sons, born between 84 and 97. The researchers are able to identify each killer whale by distinctive dorsal fins and white saddle patches on their backs. Biggs whales, also known as transients, are still listed as threatened under the Species at Risk Act, but the population is recovering with about 300 animals, in contrast to the southern residents, which feed most on Chinook salmon. The folks over at the Vancouver Courier had a little fun checking into the habits of people who use ride-sharing services like Modo and Evo. The researchers arrived at this conclusion, quote, car-sharing services are great, but a lot of the people who use them are abnormally short, messy, lazy, and probably going to die early deaths because of all the crap they put into their body and the likelihood they'll be impaled by their steering wheel when they stop too quickly because they've spilt coffee all over their newly purchased clothes. Close quote. Whoa. The team was most perplexed by the need to eat for so many drivers, most of whom use the service for short hops. After reading this story, I've decided a pack of handy wipes is going to have to be part of the plan next time I use a rideshare car. That is our program for this afternoon and for this week, produced by Ben Dooley with Andrew Ferreira at the controls. We'd appreciate your thoughts and feedback. Anytime you have some thoughts, send them along to sterling at cknw.com or tweet them to us at vancouver. Consumer. For Ben and Andrew, I'm Sterling Fox, inviting you to join us again next Saturday at 2, right here, for another episode of Vancouver Consumer on 980 
CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.